0: welcome everyone to episode 81 of kowalski analysis i am your host rob kowalski and this is a podcast designed to help you navigate the weight and become the person that you're looking for is looking for so do me a favor before we jump into the conversation and before i tell you a uh, little bit about our guest drop a comment let me know that you were here say hi hey or hello and as always please If this is your first time watching one of these or listening to one of these, please let me know where you are residing. What is the closest city to you within, you know, 30 to 50 miles. And I will do my best to connect you with some other like-minded people that are in your area doing life together currently. What do I mean by that? They're socializing. They're serving together. You know, some of them are Christians and they're worshiping together and they're going to church together and just doing life. City Fam is on a mission to end loneliness, and uh, they are our current uh, today's episode sponsor is City Fam. And uh, we have our next vision call on March 11th of uh, this year, next month. March 11th, it's a Saturday. We're going to be doing these every month on the second Saturday, and that's just basically where we're going to unveil our plans are that download that God gave us on how to end loneliness and help people all over do life together. We had about, uh, 55 people on, on February's call. We're expecting, them to grow over time. And we have now groups, dozens of groups all across the United States that are currently active meeting up with each other. And, uh, and it just makes, it makes the journey so much better and so much more enjoyable when you have people to deal with. So check it out. March 11th, join our Facebook group. If you want to find out more about that, you can go to, uh, friends It's hundred percent free. Uh, and you can join our Facebook group and you can learn more about all that's going on right now with city Okay, with no further ado, let me tell you about our our guest for episode 81. It is Gable Price. Uh, He is the lead man, the front man, should I say, the lead singer for Gable Price and Friends. He's also known as your mom's favorite band. I love that. And he's an artist, songwriter, and producer. He was born in the wild, wild Midwest of the USA. He currently resides in Redding, California, and his catalog spreads from pop to country to rock and roll to Christian contemporary and so on and so forth, as he would say. So with no further ado, let's bring in Mr. Gable Price. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? Thanks for coming on. Oh, happy to be here.
1: Thanks for having me. Are you in Cali? I am in Redding, California, yeah. Okay. we Wild, actually... wild,
0: Northern California. Awesome, man. Well, I, I know we're bringing you in for the, the cult classic brewing show. I'm I'm really excited about that. I definitely want to talk about that. Do you know oh, anything man, about, stoked, yeah. Do you know anything about city fam? I don't uh, tell me about it. Yeah, I will. I will tell you about it. We have some members in Reading, is why I ask. We actually have a, a group that's gone out and done some things together, but, um, yeah, so I don't know which direction to go because there's a lot of things I want to talk <laughs> about. I'm pretty excited, but, um, for the, uh, City Fan was basically a group I started. So, I, really quickly, I'm a I'm a promoter now. I promote, promote Christian shows, as you know, because we're bringing you into this cult classic. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Bro- brewing uh, show. Um, but back in the day, pre Jesus, and actually after Jesus too, for for some time, I was a, a club promoter, and um, you know, I met I met the Lord, and well, it was 100 percent convinced that He was who He said He was, and I was I I did this radical 180. I I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is what happened. And, um, life got really boring. And basically I was, (laughs) I was going to church on Sundays and I was, you know, read the Bible a couple of times and I liked the things I was learning. I thought the church people were nice, but they just weren't doing a lot. And I just found myself every Friday and Saturday sitting around with my thumb on my butt. And I was like, I was literally abstinent for six years. So you can imagine I was very determined to do this thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. uh, And, um, and eventually I backslid because I wanted to be around people again. I wanted a social life. I went back to the bars. That was the only place <laughs> that anything was going on with people that I could relate to. Made a mess, rededicated a few years later, went through the same thing, bored, lonely every weekend. Yeah. Figured I got to figure this out. So I, I started this group called City Fam. So we're not really faith-based per se, although there are a lot of Christians in it. And, um, we do, you know, we just do pretty much every weekend or something going on. We volunteer together. We socialize together. We worship together, you know. Like we're gonna, and it's cool because, like, for you coming into this brewery, like I, oh I yeah, know, man. When when we booked you, I was like, dude, Christian music and craft beer? Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, that's that's the that's the way right there. I'm excited. It's gonna be right. good. Well, I'm very impressed just the fact that you would play, you know, because like so my part of my dream with City Fam and uh, um and I didn't know which direction I was gonna head when we started talking, but as I want to open a bar, in Baltimore. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be a Christian, you know, anything. Although yeah. my vision was, you know, we might do karaoke on Friday, cover bands on Saturday, and then have somebody like you come in on Wednesday and play a, a faith, you know, someone a faith act. Mercy, yeah. Day, Jeremy Camp, close on Sundays, have church right in the bar. Like, it's not going to fit in anybody's box. We're going to serve alcohol. Like, I hey, love alcohol, it, man. Alcohol is not a sin, but yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah, dude. So like, let's just talk, let's go down that road because I think. Let's that, do it, man. I'm down. Yeah. So like, cause I feel like so many people think that, you know, okay, I'm a Christian and I did too. I'm a Christian now. I can't, I can't drink. I can't uh have yeah. time or <laughs> really, I can't have fun. <laughs> you know, like, where, where, I guess, where does that come from? What do you think? I don't know, man. Probably Facebook. (laughs) Uh, Just in terms of, I mean, at least
1: in my generation, you go on Facebook and everything is demonic on there. Everyone's just like, oh yeah, this is demonic. This is demonic. The bars are demonic. This is demonic. And, uh, and so I feel like a lot of legalism kind of gets ingrained in you in a young age. Sure. I mean, even hearing like a, like a grandparent or someone else saying to you, um, yeah, you can't do this. This is this is completely and utterly wrong. I, I didn't tell any of my relatives that I watched the Harry Potter movies, let alone read the books, uh, because that was demonic. And so I, I think there was a lot of things. I think a lot of young Christians just kind of grow up scared of doing something wrong. Sure. Uh, and so I can't imagine what it's like, because I grew up in church. Yeah. And so I can't imagine what it was like to be saved and then brought into the environment. Like, what is this? Everything is a rule. Right. right. <laughs> I just... I always knew the rules. So a lot of it was unlearning for me, unlearning the legalism. I can't imagine what it was like to try to learn it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's what
0: I was. I mean, because I, I had a little bit of exposure to church, but it was never at home. Like my mom really, you know, she wasn't religious. And yeah. um, so it didn't really stick. And, you know, when I became a Christian, for me, it was like, because I, I did get you know get baptized in the spirit out of the blue it wasn't like nobody touched me or prayed for me yeah like I, I poured, the spirit got poured on me i prophesied it was really weird actually like you imagine flying down a road at 100 miles an hour on your way home every day and you think there's no there's no cops and then all of a sudden oh yeah you, you realize they've been there the whole time taking you know take taking radar and you're like oh my gosh yep i felt yeah. caught i felt like caught you know what i mean oh man. Top. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> So have you played any bars before? Yeah,
1: I I prefer them actually. You know, like we, we, uh, when we were first starting to tour, um, and we're still fairly young to it. Um, we got our initial break into, I don't want to say any, you know, like popularity. I would say we got our initial burst of interest during COVID. Um, so Fraction Heart, our first full length record dropped in June of 2020. And so the first time we were able to tour, we couldn't, um, you know and everything before that no one would have come to the shows and so um we it wasn't until i think our first show out of california was like august 2021 and so it was over a year since the album dropped that was at a christian college which was fun but then we started doing some church runs of like okay we'll hit a church here a church here and then a university um and you know what we found is like we we enjoyed the environment of the church but we were but we were used to it it didn't feel different enough compared to you know what we, we feel like our music is we we don't feel like it necessarily fits in the four walls of a typical building you know mm-hmm. and so especially the environment of our concerts we're like we want it to be tight we want it to be sweaty we want it to smell we want the floors to be a little sticky from the drinks and stuff like that and so once we hit the King's Kaleidoscope and John Mark tour, we started hitting more clubs, more bars. um, And I just love it. The environment is so fun. Mm -hmm. You can tell people are a little bit out of their comfort zone, um, which is kind of a good thing in a concert setting, just because if you're in someone's home church and they're not used to jumping around and they're not used to, you know, kind of going crazy, um, you kind of got to take them out of it. And so it's like, you get all these people come from different walks, and it feels like a bar is just a great equalizer. I love of it. Like, not many people are used to being here, especially because a lot of our fan base, at least on this last run, was like 18 to 30, mm-hmm. 18 to 25. And so, like, not a ton of exposure to it. And so, I I love it. I'm very excited to check out Cult Classic
0: yeah for sure man so let me just go just shameless plug right there if anybody wants to come to the show i'll put the link for the tickets in the show notes you can use uh, discount code City Fam, all one word C I T Y F A M for five dollars off your tickets. let go. Yeah, we're gonna be taking a group from Baltimore up there. It's it's so where you're performing is over the Bay Bridge, so it's about I don't know forty five minute thirty to forty minute drive from downtown Baltimore. But we're gonna we're gonna take a, a group up there and do a little road trip. It's should oh, be man, really that's good awesome. Time. Yeah, that's you know. awesome, man. Yeah, I, I I know the the technically Baltimore.
1: My I grew up in. I always tell people I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, but I grew up in on the state line on the Indiana side but everyone there says yeah we live in cincinnati and so it's like well it's technically indiana technically Baltimore, the show's technically in baltimore but
0: yeah that's what most people do cuz everybody knows you know if you say baltimore if you if you were to say uh we weren't going to be in centerville people are like what is that yeah but um, yeah. So look, guys, if you're in, if you can get to Baltimore, I know there's a lot of people in different states. If you're willing to drive down, come on down. We'll make a, a weekend out okay. of it because you're, you're performing. It's on April second, and I believe what day of the week is that? Is that a Sunday? I think it it is. Isn't Let's it? See. It is. It's a uh, it's a Sunday. Okay. So yeah, come on, come on Friday. Stay a couple nights, and we'll go up together on Sunday. You can go to Epic with us in the morning, and it'll be a great weekend. I it's promise. gonna be awesome, man. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I don't so, know what
1: day it is when we're on the road. So you, you asked what day it is. I won't be able to tell you what day it is, the day of the show. I, I'm sure. <laughs> I,
0: I can't imagine what that life is like. I want to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, for me, the bar idea really came about because, um, you know, I came out of that scene. And I was like, I was looking for this place because I wanted – th- I just wanted a social life. I wanted to be around some people that I could relate to. And I didn't want to, to sin. And, yeah. uh, th- and there was nothing, man. There was like Christian coffee shops where – the closest thing I could find, and they were they were super lame compared to what I was used to. So yeah. and I've often all thought named about named after biblical anecdotes and
1: stuff like that. Yeah, there's a Hebrews in Reading.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I had often thought, I'm like, I'm sure these guys gotta be tired of performing in churches. I'm sure they would love to come to a bar, mm-hmm. especially if they hear oh, yeah. there's people meeting Jesus in this place. Are you kidding? Come on. Yeah. So yeah. super, super excited about it. Um so how did you get to be a musician? Was this like a, an aspiration as a kid or how'd you get into this? Yeah. I mean, music was what I really always wanted to do. My
1: dad was a, was a worship pastor at a vineyard church in Ohio. And um, I mean, so from a young age, I think I told him when I was 12 that I wanted to do what he does. Um, And then, uh, so I would like apprentice him at the church and sing on Sundays with him. Um, And then I think just as I got a little bit older, I was like, Oh man, If I want to do this as a living, I got to figure out a way to make money. And so uh, I just decided to get away for a bit. Um, So I signed up for a ministry school, moved out there when I was 19, kind of got every no possible when it came to music, didn't play guitar on the worship teams, didn't sing. Um, But I had played in bands like my whole life. Like I had a cover band with my brother when I was 13. Um, I was, I played guitar in like a surf rock band, like the years prior to me moving to California. And so, um, yeah, it music was kind of ingrained and being in a band was kind of ingrained. And then when I moved out to Reading, and everything was worship teams, I was like, man, this is so different. There's no concert culture here. Everything is worship night culture, not a bad thing, but from growing up in concerts, I know that there is a different feeling about being at a rock show than anything else, a different sense of euphoria a different sense of, um, you just feel invigorated. You feel like you're a part of something. And, um, I missed it. And so I, I think towards the, I mean, and I never had really the intention of us being like a rock band when I started it. Um uh, I just wanted to make an EP. Uh, I didn't have anything else to do with music. And so me and a couple of the guys from my school, Adam and Daniel, were like, let's, let's make an EP. And so we raised some money, underpaid some friends and, uh, we dropped the EP in like 2018, and it did so much better than we thought. Um, like there's still a song from it that's in our top five on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it cost, you know, significantly less than it, time and thought um, and effort um, and money and than what we've released since. And it's so funny that it still stood up. Um, but yeah, I know we just started from that and just missing shows. What's the name of that song? Oh, that's Dead Man. Dead Man was the first song we ever yeah. wrote. I'm going to go to it. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, throughout the the course of making our first EP, and then after that releasing, us deciding, okay, are we a band? Like, yeah, we're a band. Um, Played some shows, realized that our favorite part of making music was playing it live. And so we realized that the music we were making wasn't really the music we wanted to play live. And so we kind of shifted genre to more of a, to lend itself more to rock or even indie pop um stuff you know just more uh jumpy um fun stuff and so that's where our next album came and then we just keep progressing to what are we enjoying um right now musically sonically um concert wise what do we enjoy about concerts and so i feel like gable price and friends is kind of like a, a labor of love in the sense of music we were in the same way that you're um it, it's, you said it's a non-profit yeah um, so you know it's fun can't be fit into any boxes i think we've really lent ourselves to the same belief of like the only box we can fit ourselves in is do we enjoy it i love it man and that's
0: what that's what feels really important yeah it's definitely a different sound it's different than any other christian music i've heard yeah yeah uh, i think a big part of it is just
1: we haven't super been inspired by christian music over the years yeah Um, especially as of as of late you know i have a lot of friends in it i would you know, and but it's not what inspires our sound. You know, we were inspired by The Killers, you know, Coldplay. Um, I, I personally, on the Christian side of things, was extremely inspired by Switchfoot and Reliant K. You know, big early 2000s rock bands, uh, Christian rock bands. And so a lot of it, you know, sonically kind of shifted out when radio or at least Christian radio became more um, cinematic so- sonically, you know, more stomp, clap. Mm. more like these epic sounds as opposed to these rock songs with these deep thought out lyrics. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it sounds different from everything else, mostly just because it's it feels like it's pulling on something from the past and making it a pretty modern thing. Who are you listening to right now? Oh man, my favorite band and they're a little filthy. And so, so viewers be warned, but they're a band called gang of youths. Um, and uh gang of youth is sweet. They're, they're from, originally from australia but they're out in london um really cool um rock band i love the new harry styles record (laughs) um it, it it just gets me and then um i've been listening to a ton of colony house they just released a new record um and then there is a christian artist named ben benjamin william hastings he originally sang the song so will i by um hillsong but he just released his own solo record and it's some of the most brilliant writing I've ever heard inside or outside of Christianity. And so it's, it's really inspiring me right now, but those are the, those are the three. Yeah. I so guess the
0: ben Hastings, Gang of Youths, and what were the other two? Uh, Harry Styles and Harry. Colony House. And Harry Styles is, is the, uh, used to be in the the band, right? The, yeah, he the, was in
1: One Direction. Right, he's, right,
0: right. He was a pop star, but he's released, I think he's released three records
1: now. And then his first and my third, and the third record just released this year are my two favorite from him. the second one was great but um I think it was just really inspiring to see him in a extremely boy band pop sound to uh, his first record had so many like rock ballads mm. just so outside of the norm of what a pop star should do mm. um, it was just really inspiring and so I nice. think everything he does continues to inspire me who have you played with that you've enjoyed the most John Mark John Mark McMillan um he is unbelievable. He's an incredible person, um like amazing artist and uh, his whole band was just really inspiring. Um we also hit hit a show. We didn't open for him or anything. They just called us up on stage to play a song with them was a uh, Switchfoot. Mm-hmm. Uh that was that was a dream come true, man. They're they're so phenomenal. Um but yeah, no. And then we we brought a this band of my my buddy Austin. He's got a band called Judges that we brought out on our last run of shows to open for us because they're just these kentucky boys that sing about beer and like a party but they all have church jobs and so i think it's i think it's really funny and they were phenomenal and just loved
0: them nice who surprised you the most
1: um i i actually think that john mark surprised me in a really good way um just because he is very introspective and his music has progressed to a very um like intelligent expression mm-hmm. of what he's feeling. And so I was thinking when I met him that he was going to be very up here and maybe a little bit swirly mm-hmm. um, and kind of unreachable in a way, but he was probably the most inviting kind person we've ever played a show with. It was like, he let me ride in the bus with him a few nights, um, like with this whole band, just because I had to get there a little early to set up. And they're like, you need a good night of sleep. Hey, come with us and crash in the bus. Like just so inviting, so kind. Nice. Um, I th- Yeah, I think so. And he was one of my childhood heroes. And so it was just one of those things where it was like, this was a good meet your hero story. Yeah, you're like, I made it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, you have some of those bad meet your hero stories where you're just like, ah, I wish we hadn't met in person. Right, right. And with him, I was just
0: like, holy cow, everything and more. That's awesome. So when did you find out you were playing creation this year? Oh man, um, let me check when I found it out. Is, is uh, that is that the biggest show you've ever played? Because I, I think there's probably what ten thousand at least. It, it probably used to be a lot more than that at one time, but I think it's at least ten thousand still, if not more. Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm planning on it. Actually, me and Dave oh, at man. Baltimore Soundstage are we're talking about meeting there. I went last oh, year. Yeah, you got you got to come through. Um,
1: I found out. I think. Oh, it was it was a while ago. It was one of the first shows that we booked for this year. Um, I think it's one of the biggest. We played, we headlined a show at Liberty University, which I think had like 6,000 people like right there, um, which was really cool. Um, and then we also are playing Big Church Day Out this year in Sussex, UK, which I think has around the same number, like 10,000, 15,000. Um, but it's like such an honor to be at Creation Fest because I heard about it all the time. Um growing up and to be there, I think we're just like two or three before Switchfoot who are kind of like my uh you know, my Mount Rushmore band. Sure. Uh it, it just feels crazy. And just to be I, I went to the Ichthus festivals and the um all those big Christian festivals growing up, especially in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It just feels really cool to be a part of it as an artist. And so right. even the big festivals in general, like we're playing this, uh We're playing like a cruise next year and stuff like that. It just just feels wild to see your name on the same list as someone like Switchfoot. Right. You know, or even like we just did one with Skillet, which I had a Skillet phase. And just seeing your name right next to theirs is really wild. And it hasn't got old yet. That's for sure. Yeah, man, I bet. So you're going to stay for the
0: whole festival? I think so. I just know that we're there the same day as Switchfoot. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, You may be on the main, the Saturday night. I don't know. You're uh, definitely on the homepage of the website because when when my my business partner, you know, was like, you know, mention your name and I was like, well, he's playing creation fest. So that means something. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Okay. We're on the 24th of June. I just found that. So that looks like it
0: is. Yeah. Saturday night perfect that's the biggest night dude let's go it's gonna be awesome (laughs) pennsylvania too i love pennsylvania yeah that's only about a couple hours from my house yeah i I love that i mean i went last year and and i feel like i'm probably a little bit older than the average now because it's a lot of younger people but i still love it you know for me it's like i I call it the christian coachella christian coachella (laughs) christella there you go (laughs) that's so so funny so what's life like on the road man like how many nights of the year are you traveling
1: So, last year was our first big year, Um, and even then, we were still getting our legs under us, figuring out, you know, what it looks like. And so, um, I think last year, we hit four or five big runs. And when I say big runs, it's not big in comparison to, like, you know, a bigger act, but, you know, five shows here and there. Did the five shows opening for King's Kaleidoscope, 12 shows opening for John Mark, and then we had our own five show uh headlining run at the end of the year and so um i think we played about 30 shows last year so um but coming from Reading, uh if you're doing one-offs it's a lot more tumultuous of a travel than if you're coming from like a nashville or even anywhere on the east coast um redding's a small town we have a municipal airport it has two flights a day that go to san francisco one every other day that goes to la and then one that goes to Seattle. And so no matter where you're going, you're doing like a one hour, one and a half hour flight to get to a place that will fly you to your next place. Right. And so average flight day is around 10 to 15 hours um, coming from Reading. And so you're planning for leaving at 6 a.m. the day before the show mm. to get there, like, because you're working against the time, um, you know, with the time change. So you'll get there around midnight. You'll go to sleep. You'll play the show. And then it's the same travel day back. And so one show equals three days Right, is kind of um, how, it, how it has equaled out. And so there were a lot of one-offs last year. We have a lot less this year. We have more bigger runs that we're kind of planning um, to limit, you know, the 15-hour travel day and um, being away from home. Uh, but for us, we're still in a van when we tour. And so even if it's five shows or 50 shows, we're still – in a sprinter crashing in the parking lot of a hotel, um, we, we usually have like one or two hotel rooms for people to shower in, clean up, and then we're we're there at midnight. We're leaving at like six or seven to drive to the venue. Hold and on, So, so
0: let me make sure I understand that. So, like, when you say you're in a in a van sleeping in the parking lot, so you have a room for people to shower in, but nobody's sleeping in it. Well, so if we have like,
1: so we'll, depending on how much we're like pooling or the guarantee is right uh, we'll we'll have one room or two rooms um we have four official band members Mm -hmm. we bring our fifth guy at base Mm -hmm. um, which is a hired gun and then we have manager front of house and then sometimes photo Mm -hmm. and so um that's four that are outside of the guaranteed four in our van we have we usually try to get one with like a couple bunks in it that you can sleep in in the back Mm -hmm. um but if there's four beds in there or if there's two beds in the hotel room, that's people sharing. Right, and sure. So the last run we did, we had one room because we were pretty price conscientious. Um, it was our first headlining run, and so we we're like, we don't know if we're gonna lose all the money we got. Right. Um, and so we, you know, we get there, two guys crash in one bed, two guys crash in the other. We all go in and shower, and then we make our way back out to the van. Right, and right. And so, uh, I mean, it's nice. Like the beds in the van uh, aren't that bad, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it gets a little cold. Definitely yeah. gets cold in the winter. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really interesting place to be because we're not even close to being in a bus, but we're definitely could get a hotel room or two. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's where the
0: memories are made right now, man.
1: Yeah, man. Like it's it's really cool and really fun um with with the guys. And I think just the camaraderie that you feel being in the same amount of exhaustion as the guys around you. Is It's pretty fun sometimes, you know, five shows in, 10 shows in, it gets a little bit tiring. Um, and you, you, everyone has like one or two days where they're just kind of like silent until showtime. Um, and we're not going to force uh communication throughout the day if someone needs their space, just cause there's not really any space. And the venues we're playing, like the green rooms are smaller than my studio I'm in right now. Um, And so, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. And it's definitely like a learning process for all of us. You know, all of us are still working something on the side of what we're doing. And so trying to get work done, Mm -hmm. trying to make income because we don't know what we're getting paid until the runs over. Right. Um, And so it's awesome. It's a really cool season that I don't want to wish away, but I'm also like, man, it's going to be nice when we get into that bus.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's good right now. And I'm like, I hear you. I know it's good. And like, but it really is going to be good when we get there. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, what's
1: going to be good is if you guys can go through a day without having a back problem, you know, from being in the band. Right. Um, and that's going to be sweet. I mean, even on the John Mark tour, they were in what was called a bandwagon. So it was like a box truck converted into a bus, but there was no shocks in it. And so if you even hit the rumble strip, you're bouncing out of the bed.
0: Wow! And so you Box know, truck converted into a bus. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a good way to die. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Okay. So you guys, I'm guessing everybody's single in the band, right? Um. So
1: I'm married. Uh, oh, right. I'm married. Yeah. We we are about to celebrate our first anniversary. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um. Adam, our guitar player, has a girlfriend, and Daniel, our drummer, has a girlfriend. Sam is right ride- or Cam is riding solo right now. Well, you know, he'll find someone eventually. Um, but you know, everyone's got some ounce of significant other and uh, you know, doing all this with the wild schedules is always a you know, an interesting thing to balance. And it takes a unique person to be able to be on both ends of it. Yeah. And so I'm grateful that my wife also tours um with her career. And so we, you know, we we balance each other out and we both understand each other. Okay, gotcha. So she's a musician too. What's her name? Ah, uh, so her name's Adita. Ah, uh, she is a day-to-day manager of the artist Brooke Lidgertwood.
0: Okay. Uh, and oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. She Brooke was part of. a uh, – what group was that? Was it uh, Hillsong? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's what yep. a beautiful name and songs like that. But right, Adida, right, right. Adita is going on her seven tour that's coming up next month. Um, and so you know we both have, um, exposure to, travel and what the schedule's like, and you know the toll it takes on your energy and stuff like that. So I feel really lucky to. Of someone who's so supportive and stoked for all of it but also understands it now is her name spelled like the shoe no no it's uh singular and it's with an e okay. so e-d-i-t-a um she's she was born in moscow okay. moscow russia and so she uh she came to the states when she was four or three um to seattle so she spent most of her life in seattle now did y'all meet in the industry uh no we met in school uh in redding so she was in school in redding we met in my last year Well, in my second year, and then we kind of became romantically interested in my last year of school, um, and got to know each other pretty well throughout. um, You know, towards the end of lockdown.
0: Awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. So I was looking at some of your songs. It was. uh, It it was from Repentance, and it says. Oh yeah. Yeah, it says never could move the stars, can't budge the Milky Way. When the lights are gone and my friends move on, you love me. I built my kingdom high, a babble of modern day. I lost the throne. I built on my own. You love me just the same. This is my repentance. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm coming home. I'm like, dude, you're a poet. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, man. I wrote that one in the spare room of my parents' house when I was home for
1: Christmas break. um, Of my last year of school. It's a a lot of emotional and spiritual turmoil happening at that time. I was like 21, first like real faith crisis, Um, but it was never, is God real? It was always like, who is he? (laughs) Uh, And like, what is church was the big thing. And it feels like it's always the on and off big thing for me. It's like, Mm. how did we get here? Um, You know, a similar thing to like, no one's doing anything. Right. Uh, And so just kind of transitioning into, hey, I've been building this thing on my own. I've kind of created an industry of, out of loving you. I'm sorry. I'm out of that, you know? Mm. And so really interesting time. I think just listening back to that song, it feels really special. I played it the other night in a uh, Jacksonville for the first time in forever.
0: And it was just really special. I always feel emotional when we hit that bridge. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the turmoil. I actually read the post that was, I think it's pinned to the top of your Facebook page, or maybe it was the last one you put out, but yeah. you mentioned uh, inner turmoil and being, you know, not feeling in or out. And, man, yeah. I mean, like, God, it resonated with me because <laughs> I was talking yeah. to my, my executive director with City Fam, and it's like, you know, like my home church, you know, I, I rededicate my life. I bring all these people to them. I, f- I figure out this, this whole City Fam ladder idea, like, we got to go out, we got to do social events and service events. And then you, you, through the relationship, you bring people back. And so I saw, I saw yeah. hundreds of people get saved mm-hmm. and I just couldn't even get the church to even take an interest in me. It was like, like, yeah. even give me a meeting, you know, like it was like, and, and, and to the point where I ended up leaving my home church, I just left because I was like, I, I just felt so overlooked. Yeah. Like their biggest tithers came from us, from me, like, and the work that we did. And I I love the church. It (laughs) changed my life. Jesus changed my life. And I love the church. It is the hospital for the broken. But at the same time, I'm so freaking frustrated with them. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's
0: like, it's this weird relationship where I want to bring people to you, but I'm so like, they're so set in this old freaking way of doing things that doesn't really work anymore. People don't come to church. I mean, rarely the wheels really got to fall off the wagon before somebody crawls through the emergency room, bleeding out going, please help me. Yeah, like, know. You know, like you can't do it like that anymore.
1: The uh, High horse is high, but they're riding alone, you know, uh, is, is what I always feel. And I remember when I was in my first big faith crisis, it was this thing of like, I don't think I've seen anyone who's not either drunk or, um, homeless get saved. And that kind of gave me a little bit of a crisis. And I'm like, is, are those the only people who want this? What what happened? Mm. You know what what's going on in here that makes it so unappealing? Right. Um. And it was just it was just a really interesting thing. It feels like a winners only club sometimes. Yeah. You know, if you don't know the Christianese, if you don't know the, if you don't say enough adjectives, in you know when you're praying, you're not seen as anointed. Um. You know, and if the glasses aren't big enough and the stuff and the the hair isn't dyed enough, you know, it's it's not cool. And so that, I mean, yeah, man, I totally resonate with what you're saying. Mm. It's so interesting because the church I grew up in was probably the furthest thing from cool I could find. Um, But it was awesome. You know, (laughs) people would go there and be like, this just feels so genuine. Mm. I don't think I've heard someone refer to a church that I've heard of as genuine in a long time. Right. Um, And it's kind of hard because I'm like, man, I feel genuine. (laughs) I I know a lot of people who are genuine in these bodies of people. And so what's going on? Yeah. You know. Wh- wh- where where is the disconnect?
0: And it it's interesting man. I totally agree with you. It's something to to do with the way it's been packaged and presented yeah. to the world. And cuz what happens is and then you step into that and you feel like you have to act like everybody else you gotta wear the you know put on the mask if you want to call it that even though people that are genuine they don't like you said you like i feel genuine yeah there's people that feel genuine but they're still acting the way that you're supposed to act when you get there and it's like personally i would go into a church and i could feel them looking down their nose at me because yeah maybe i was at a bar the night before and i'm like you know and i'm thinking you know all these people that are here we brought you know and and it's and then trying to get people to to um not only just respect it but but support it was the the, the big thing for me where yeah. I think about this guy and actually I think my co-founder went to Lee University. For a second I was gonna say it was Liberty, it's not, it was Lee. Yeah but his best friend and college roommate, the guy was his best man in wedding. We started City Fam together, all these people were getting saved, and this guy ends up getting the lead pastor position at this mega church in, in Baltimore through, through Billy, uh, the relationship through Billy and this church is balling. I mean, they got millions of dollars in the bank and they, you know, we've met with them like five different times just to ask, you know, could you, could you help us out a little financially? Because I was wanting to pay like, not even myself, I was wanting to pay Billy. So he didn't have to go back to his, uh, you know, continue working a nine to five and, you know, they never gave us a dollar, Not not a dollar. And I'm like, this is his best friend. That's the lead pastor of this big church. And it's like, I I don't, I don't get it, man. It's like sometimes where I, you know, I read, read the post about the cool church and there was just a lot that, that I could relate to in there. And did you come up with anything? Did you figure out? You said <laughs> No, if no. you find out, let me know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm
1: trying to figure it out and I feel like it's, it's been a progressive trying to figure it out for a while. Um. I feel very bought in on my spirituality, my faith. Um, It's just a matter of just trying to figure it out with church. Um, I go, Um, but I I haven't felt connected in a while um, to the big C church. You know, I think a big part of it for me is I have a lot of friends who are not in church. And with playing with the band, you meet, uh, especially the music that we make, that is, uh, you know, I've always said since the beginning, I'm like, man, th- I want this to be people's first introduction back mm-hmm. into relationship with God or they're the thing that really makes them resonate when they're really in turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, just seeing how out of pocket it can be sometimes um, and, uh, you know, the big C. And even just in my, I I probably had three months, I really tried to do mainstream Christian music. It wasn't with Gable Price and Friends. I did a uh, publishing deal with uh, Bethel Music and, you know, great people. Um, But I realized with their first post with me in it, I was like, man, the people that follow a lot of this, not everyone. are are pretty judgy um in the sense of i remember the first comment i saw it was a video of me and i was just talking about how much of an honor it was to be on the project because i you know i grew up listening to it i mowed the lawn listening to the we will not be shaken record or uh, the for the sake of the world record and um i remember the first comment that i saw was why does he have a nose ring is he uh what did they say it was something so wild they said like is he um They said, like, is he is he gay or is he just part of the world? Right. And I I responded to those are my two choices.
0: Those are my two choices. That's what I
1: responded. I said, are those my only two options? (laughs) You know, and just stuff like that of you know, he looks dirty. And I'm like, what? Because I have a mustache? Like, um, it, it was just really interesting where I was like, man, I don't like I love the fan base of the band because even though they have a lot of questions about what I mean and also concerns that our new record has become more of a rock record mm. than the past one um, that's less than it is the people who are you know people still are are genuinely good and understanding people like when they ask like hey why did you say this I'm like oh this is what I meant and they're like oh it makes total sense thank you it's mm. never like well you shouldn't because you know they're they're not really bible thumpers right but I think I, I got thumped a few times mm. right as I was making my way initially into Christian music and I think I don't think I'm as uh as resilient as I thought I was when that happened, where I was just like, man, people are jerks. Yeah, it hurt. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean it, it hurted. Um, and so yeah, man, it, it, it was uh it's so interesting. And I'm like, man, I understand in a way of like why people have a hard time stepping in because those are the people that are gonna be that are representing it. Right. You know, and it's it's a very interesting, you know. I, I have in a song where I said, I'm a tooth inside your smile. And I'm like, man, if those are the first thing people are seeing is like, because most people notice teeth more, before they notice anything in an interaction, um, mm-hmm. is someone's smile, is their teeth. And I'm like, man, if the first interaction they are having with the God of the universe is the, te- the teeth inside is smile, which are each of us, the representatives.
0: Right.
1: And the first one, and the, these ones are twisted, and this one's completely discolored and all this, they're going to be like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I just kind of want to be a good tooth, you know <laughs> yeah um, and so, yeah, man, it's really interesting, um, so i get it I get it, and I also get like I feel a there's a a- th- story of Billy Graham, like he was kind of having a faith crisis early on, and he walked into the woods, put his Bible on a tree stump, and he says he was like i like I swear upon this book like I will never like even when it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna believe it, um And uh, so I feel like for me, like I've had a few of those moments where I'm like, you know what? It doesn't make sense. I don't know if it'll ever make sense, but I'm going to be in, whether it's here or somewhere else. I, I, it's pretty hard to, you know, be a part of the bride sometimes, but it, it, you know, it is something when I raise kids that I want to be a part of my life. I want to figure out the, the the gray areas that i have or the hurts that i have before i'm bringing Mm -hmm. you know my kids and my family into it you know i genuinely want to figure it out because i've loved growing up in church it's really beautiful and so yeah man it's a it's a balance of like acknowledging the faults that are there Mm -hmm. and also being like okay what do i like about it i hear
0: you now i mean what's the alternative right like you yeah. got to do, do life together. You, know, you you need other people. But yeah. I do think the church eats their own, man. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how many people I've heard criticize Joel Osteen. And whatever, like him or love him. But I'm like, yeah. why do we have to attack him? As a, he's a, he's a, he is a believer, right? I think he mentioned. Shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And it's people are acceptance magnets. You know, like you will you will gravitate towards a group of people that accept you, even if you don't believe what they believe. That's yeah. why people go into bars because they're not judging anybody, man. They're like, whatever. Yeah. They they know they're a mess, yeah. And I, that's what I think. if other Christians just like, can we just focus on what the other person's doing right? Like the fact yeah. that, because I've had a lot of people attack me, and I post some pretty controversial stuff. And I love like, it. I think I think I'm an easy target because I cost and stuff and whatever. But I'm like, you know, look at the good things I do. I mean, I do a I do a lot of good stuff too. Like, yeah. but they'll find like that one thing, like you said, oh the, yeah, the nose ring. You know, like I, I made this post not long ago. I said you can't turn a hoe into a housewife, and I put dot dot dot. But God can, and it's just a popular saying. Like I don't know if you've ever heard it. Maybe yeah. you haven't, but you oh, I have. It. Yeah. So I said, but God can, and I was really just trying to say, hey, look, guys, don't you know, don't discount the transformative power of God in someone's uh, life. And that was the that was the message. But people could not get past the fact that I used the word hoe. Yep. Yeah. Why would you have to use that? Why? Because I did. Because I get to. You right. know so have you ever uh you said you had a crisis of faith what was that like did you backslide or did you just i don't think i even knew how to backslide man i grew up in
1: uh i grew up in church and i, I think what i held on to is the beautiful people that i know i grew up in church and I, there was just so many people that were that i knew that were beautiful people that really really believed what they believed in and so i believed them for a while mm-hmm. which was good um you know that was kind of what i held on to is like yeah so basically i went to rome in my second year of ministry school on a mission trip um you know which is kind of a funny thing to say is that you know like we're on a mission trip in rome uh and uh, it was you know we did some good things we ministered to some churches there whatever but we like a lot of it was shopping a lot of it was eating and um but we had one day that was like evangelism day where it's like we're gonna go into the square the public square and we're going to preach the gospel to people if you want to was that kind of the, was what everyone was saying, you know, you don't do anything you're uncomfortable with. Um, and so the, the we were there eight hours or five hours or whatever. I don't know how long it was. It's probably not that much, but it felt like that. Um, me included, no one talked to anyone, no one, you know, people would talk to people and just be nice to them and stuff like that. And then they walk away. And, uh, at the end of the day, no one preached anything,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: which is funny on the mission trip, you know? Uh, and right. then, you get back in the van and they say, hey, we got church tomorrow. Who wants to speak and who wants to lead worship? Everybody Every right. goes up. Yeah, That was the beginning of it for me was I was like, do I like church? Because I know they agree with me. Um, and, and I know and I, I like being with like-minded people because I love God a lot when I'm singing the songs and everyone's, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm out in the square and I'm not sure how it's going to be responded to. Lip locked, you know, um, and so that was the beginning of it for me. Is like, do I like this because I'm good at it? Like, have I gotten good at God? Was my big thing, mm-hmm. um, which was really was which was really hard um, to go through, especially at 20. Um, and so I went home for the summer and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out this faith crisis. I'd already been accepted for an internship in my last year of school. And so I was locked into going back. I think if I hadn't gotten an internship yet, I wouldn't have gone back um, just because, you know, it was hard. It was real hard. Um, and so I went back and I had a meeting with the guy I was interning for, and I told him everything. I said, I am not sure what I believe. Everything feels like an existential crisis. Everything feels like a faith crisis. And so kind of a turning point, and it still, you know, progressively kept going for about a year and a half. Um, but the big thing that I held on to was he said... Okay, you're thinking about all the big lofty thoughts up here. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, you know, are we predestined or was it free will? You know, all these big things that is really hard to find out on, or you might just never find out. And right. he was like, you will never figure that out. These questions you're never going to figure out. Let's go all the way down. What is the most elementary belief that you know? I was like, I don't know. He's like, do you believe God's real? Or is that a question? I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, that's not what my problem is. Like, my question is, why do we do it? He's like, so you know God's real? I'm like, yeah. What's the most elementary belief within that? That he loves me. Okay. For the next few months, every time something up here comes up, I'm not asking you to be in denial, but just put it aside. And before you approach that, think for a second. God is real and he loves me. God is real and he loves me. God is real and he loves me. And I would say that until I was ready to think about this again, because sometimes, you know, it's a baby out with the bathwater scenario. It's like you focus so much up here and this all feels very gray and unknown that down here starts to blend in with it. But when you really get down to the elementary belief, I want to like church. I believe that church is important. Why are people so judgmental? Blah blah, blah all this. Why didn't they want to play new songs? All this stuff. I want to believe, you know. Um, and so, that was kind of my turning point. And so, I've still wrestled on and off, but it's never been with my faith. It's been with my relationship with my faith. Mm-hmm. Is what what is my engagement level? What are the things that I do out of my faith? But my faith has always stayed there. I know God is real, and I know He loves me. Right. And so, that was the that was the crisis for me. Was the figuring out, okay, what, what is real to me? (laughs) You know, I stopped leading worship for a while at that point. And I was like, okay, until I figure out this, I'm not going to do any of the things I'm good at, or like that make me feel comfortable within this. I'm just going to be. And so it was really beautiful and it was really life-giving. And, um, I think it's set, set me up well to now be four years post faith crisis and still a believer, still struggling with a lot of the same questions, but I don't But down here never gets touched like the,
0: uh, he's real and he loves me. Does that make sense? Totally, dude. I can relate so much to that. I, from the moment I got baptized in the spirit, I'd never questioned if God was real. And if Jesus was who he said he was, I mean, I've had lots of questions about things that have happened and, you know, he he told me about this girl, this is 23 years ago, told me she was my person. She lived in California. I was in Baltimore. She had moved from Baltimore to Cali a year earlier. I waited for her, I thought, you know, well, all right, I'll, I'll wait for her. And it's never happened, never got with her a hundred percent. He told me her and I'm like, what did that mean? But it led to the biggest yeah. blessings of my life led to me writing the book and city fam, all things I would never have known had I not had a prolonged period of being single and I, I wouldn't have done it. You yeah. Know, I would have got lonely and dated and, and, you know, shacked up with somebody or even <laughs> if I, didn't mean, even if I didn't mean to. Um, so yeah, totally lots of questions, but at the end of the day, I I feel the same way. You know, I know, I don't even question is God real. I'm like, is he trustworthy? You know, like, that's the thing I think about is like, he's got perfect character. He's perfect. He can't be improved upon. He knows everything. All right. I don't understand, but all right. I'm like, I'm just going to, I think that's the greatest compliment you can give God is when you don't, I you're like, I don't understand, but I trust you. Yeah. That's the greatest compliment that you can give him.
1: Well, that's the first ounce of, I feel like that, that is like, for me in those moments, it was, it was really a thing of, oh, this is the first time I actually have to have faith. Right. You know, I cannot answer this, but I know there's something good behind it that I can't understand. Hmm. I do not need to understand right now. Right. I don't know if, if I'll ever understand in my time on earth, uh, but when we hit eternity, it's like, okay. We'll figure it out then. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I completely agree is like the trust, like he is real and he is trustworthy. And once you really accept that, a lot of the big questions get a little less terrifying. They're still a little scary,
0: you know, still definitely. The I think it's like, the thing is the only thing you can really give God is, is your trust. Like, because it, what, what, what can you give him? What does he need from you? Like you can't yeah. get money. I mean, he doesn't need your money. Like it's the only thing you can withhold from him, right? That he really is, you know. Like, and I think that was the original sin because Adam and Eve was like they thought God was holding out on them, so they didn't trust him. They didn't, you know, trust his character, and then of yeah. course that led to all the mess that we're in. So I think I feel <laughs> yeah, like that's, yeah. We we
1: have a song on the record called "Easy to Love You," and it's it's uh, it's written in a very love song way, where it can really go either way depending on what the listener it where they're at on the faith spectrum and uh but it's i find it easy to love you but not so easy to trust you mm. um or it's like love feels easy trust feels terrifying right um i knew that i loved my wife before i knew that she wasn't going to hurt me um because like how many people have been in love and they've gotten hurt mm-hmm. uh but you know but in the song easy to love you it was just this you talk of houses on hills but who's paying for that you know who's paying those bills mm-hmm. and it's just kind of uh this whole thing of like, I love you. I do not, I'm, I'm working on the trust part, but we'll figure it out, you know? Um, and so yeah, man, I could
0: not agree more. Mm. So why did you call the record consequence of being alive? Is that it? Yeah. The consequence of being alive. Uh,
1: so to me, I was thinking about life a lot of this record was, I wrote a lot of it, um, while we were planning our wedding and while we were, you know, early in marriage. And, um, I think for me, I was, everything felt like it was making a little more sense, (laughs) uh, because, because there's, I mean, uh, growing up, like there's always the question of, you know, I feel like you think about relationships so much. And there's so much with that. But I think with this record, I just really wanted to write a a, a life record. Um, and so I started thinking about life and how much contrast it holds and how beautiful contrast is. And so like, you know, just along the fact of like, you know, when like you have a sore throat <laughs> and you're like, I did not realize how lucky I was when I didn't have this sore throat right. and you start to think about, and then when you don't have the sore throat, you're like, oh, I can breathe and you know s- swallow beverages without it burning. <laughs> um, and so I I think that inspired a lot of, you know, joy because you've experienced pain mm-hmm. and joy feels so much more euphoric. Mm -hmm. knowing the lows and the lows feel so much lower because you've known the highs Mm -hmm. love feels so much stronger because you've known loneliness loneliness feels so much more like heavy because you've known love and it's just like this whole thing of and so I wrote the lyric of you live you love you lose and that's the consequence of being alive it's like it was just kind of this acceptance of what a beautiful thing it is to feel pain to feel joy to feel acceptance, to feel loneliness, all of these things, because they're all intertwined into this beautiful mountainscape that is life. And so the consequence of being alive is just kind of phrasing it in like a, oh, ain't it a shame? You feel everything, you know? Um, kind of a uh, little bit of a sassy way to to say it, but, you know, it's a, it's a consequence of being alive. Yeah. Um, I like that. You, you feel sad. That's, you know, what a shame. We feel happy man, it's a good thing that you felt sad before, you know, it's all these beautiful things tied up into one bow.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of being in Maryland. I'm like, I like, I like living in Maryland because we get the seasons change, right? Like you you appreciate the spring when, when that first warm day hits after it's been cold, you're like, Oh man, this is nice. Like you you don't, you know, until you, until you get sick, you don't really appreciate health. But um, I think the contrast is too, too, because like, so I lived, and I've seen this in a lot of people's lives that I used to know, the people that live these crazy, you know, dopamine. Like, I mean, my life was just a party. It was drugs, yeah. and girls, and you know, multiple girls, and yeah. And, uh, and then you go to being a Christian, and that's oh my gosh, it was such a culture shock for me. Like, it was really painful, threw <coughs> so, so me into a deep depression because I knew what the high was, and yeah, and and it was like, and I I know people that experience that high, and they can never, they always look back to those days. Like, and yeah. they can't get past, they can't get past. It. I think that's why we're not supposed to go there. You know, like you're not, cause God doesn't, you know, they say the comparison is the thief of joy, yeah. but like w- w- once you take it to that level I, and I've seen that even in the celebrities I've, that have been interviewed, I was watching, I think it was, uh, Pauly Shore, somebody was on Joe Rogan not long ago mm-hmm. and he was talking about how much fun it was you know he's like i went onto to the set and he's like he's depressed now because he's not the man anymore and yeah like it was so much fun when he was paulie shore on mtv and yeah and you can never re- you know he can at least recapture that but it's all fleeting anyway you know like yeah. one thing I, I tell people it's only fun while you're doing it you know and then you wake up and it's empty and you got to do it, it yeah And then you gotta it's do the olympic
1: it. the olympic curse is the most olympians get into legal trouble or a legal trouble or a deep depression or something like that right after the Olympics Mm. because they had this high and then they just don't know who they are anymore because they've been training for this one event their whole life. Right. Um, I had someone in a neighborhood that I, that I grew up in that was in the Olympics. And then like two months later, got into some legal trouble for just standing on a hill, throwing rocks at cars. (laughs) I'm like, how did you get there? You know they, you know they figure it out. They they do their time or whatever, pay their fees, and they're a great person. But it's just like, I feel like some people, you know, are, I feel like we chase a lot of highs, right? Yeah. Um, you know my, you know I I know a lot of people who have been heavy users in the past, and they say that the whole time you're just chasing that first high that you had. Yep. And you just keep doing it, hoping that you can find some way to feel what you felt the first time. Right. And so it's so interesting.
0: Yeah, it's totally, you gotta, you gotta sit there and, and, and sometimes marinate and whatever the feeling is. And, and it goes away. Feelings, feelings aren't facts. That's what I've learned. Yeah. feeling one way and, you know, take a nap or a couple hours later, feel a completely <laughs> different way. And, and, yeah. then they, you know, wondering why. Drink your why, coffee why, and you're good. Yeah, exactly. So, man, this was awesome, dude. I'm, I'm very excited to, to meet you on April 2nd. Again, likewise, guys, Abel's going to be at Cult classic brewing over in Centerville, Maryland, just outside of Baltimore. If you can make it here. Come on down, we're gonna do a group trip. You can use the code City Fam for five dollars off your tickets. The link will be in the show notes. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Actually, wh- what are you working on now? Are you working on another record? Are you writing songs? What do you doing? Well,
1: we so we finished the the record back in November and so we're working on getting ready for a, a big tour. Um you know, I'm writing songs here and there with other artists, but right now we're just pushing the consequence of being a live record and uh getting ready to show it to a bunch of people on the road. Nice. Um, you know, they can find us on Instagram. Uh, I don't think we have Twitter, you know, TikTok, Facebook, Gable Price and friends. Um, you can follow me too, just Gable price. Um, uh, but yeah, man, I'm so stoked to meet everyone from Baltimore, Centerville, Metro area. And, uh, it's going
0: to be sweet. Awesome, man. Well, I can't wait. And it must be cool knowing that like, all you need is that one big hit dude. And you're like, bam, right. You know, oh like, yeah. I did yeah. see Corey Asbury as one of your uh, like, uh, we we'll are singing on a song of yours yeah we've done a couple
1: songs together core is, core is a real good dude but yeah all it all it takes is the one song we're we're hoping we have it and if we don't we're going to keep going
0: well i'm praying that it comes out between now and april 2nd because it'll be oh, it easier man. to sell tickets for us yeah <laughs> yes sir yes sir appreciate right. it Rob. you're awesome man so everybody, you can find him at Gable Price and Friends on Instagram. And then also the website is GablePriceandFriends.com. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys on April 2nd. And you and I will definitely see each other. And I'll, yes, I'll sir. buy Get a, a beer and we'll uh, chop it Can't up. Wait. Can't wait, Can't wait to have a beverage together. All right. Thanks for coming on. All right. Peace, Rob. Thank you, brother.